Welcome to the Maintenance Mavericks podcast, where we talk about trends in maintenance, reliability, and asset operations. My name is Ryan. I'm the CEO and founder of Upkeep, and I'll also be your host for today. For today's guest, I'm super excited to welcome Luke to our podcast. A little bit about Luke. Luke is a reliability consultant at Allied Reliability, helping maintenance and reliability teams develop comprehensive reliability and asset management programs around the country. He's passionate about helping teams and companies ensure longevity by continuing to invest in their workforce. Welcome to the podcast, Luke. How are you doing today? Doing great. I appreciate the opportunity to get on here and chat about asset uh, health and reliability. All right. Well, hey, the way that we always start off the show is by having you share a little bit more about your background and how you were first introduced into this industry of maintenance, reliability, operations. What has your journey been like that got you to where you are today? Well, I'll try not to make it long-winded, but I I was introduced at a young age uh, for this this industry specifically. Uh, My dad went to college while I was a kid, and so I actually got to see him go through and become an engineer. Um, while I was a kid. So I always followed his career closely. I was always interested and he went through robotics and engineering and um, ended up in in the industrial sector and and did maintenance reliability. And so when I was about in high school, he he, uh, had his own company for a while there and I was able to do some summer jobs just doing data cleanup and uh, pulling apart job plans and digitizing them. So I got an early experience to that. And then I went to college myself and uh, went to college for industrial technology and got an opportunity while I was in college working for my university. They had a facilities maintenance intern role that opened up and they actually ran Maximo themselves. And so I got to get in the CMMS world at that point. So everything kind of fell into place, and and there I was working working for Maximo and and maintenance and and improving CMMS operations, and it was a great job because I got to clock in and and uh, uh, work on special projects for for the Purdue, and then leave and go to class, which was just down the road. So it was a good deal there. And and uh, next thing I knew, after college, I was I was uh, hired by a company called Proficient, started uh, consulting and actually doing services and. And really enjoyed just working with technicians and supervisors and and rolled that into my current role with Allied, where I do a lot of planning, scheduling, CMMS improvements. Uh, we do we do front end user data uh, improvement projects and and all around uh, CBM uh, reliability program. So kind of kind of uh, just worked my way up and fell into it, fell into it backwards. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, actually, you know, obviously I've been running this podcast for several years now and very, very rarely do I come across the person that kind of grew up in this industry and said, yeah, I've been following this industry (laughs) since, you know, I grew up high school and and middle school and throughout college. So it's kind of refreshing to hear that story. dude. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. So let's jump into today's topic. You know, our industry puts a big emphasis on impending on this impending skills gap and the need to recruit more people into this workforce. I would love to hear from you, you know, given your background, your story, you know, what gets you excited about this industry? And, you know, ultimately, like what made you say, like, you know, I saw my dad, you know, go into this industry. I want to go into this industry, too. Yeah, well, so I, obviously at the beginning, I had a unique perspective where I was able to get some insight into it. But I think what really interested me from the get-go was uh, I, I was always interested in just mechanical and and just working with your hands and seeing how parts work. That was always just a general interest uh, of, as, as a kid. But 
the the very practical aspect of this business where there's actually a piece of equipment out there running and our goal is to keep that running as long as possible has always been something that's appealing to me and so that that very physical element to this business has always attracted me and 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 the fact that to to expand even further on that is that there's people around that that have processes and have their own roles to keep that piece of equipment running. Then you have uh, production and operations and everything that feeds into that. You have have a very complex system to keep that equipment up and running and and to get product out the door. And so that that physical aspect of this business has always been appealing to me. Um, And But then beyond that, there's technology too. There's cutting edge technology that's going on, whether that's software, or mechanics or robotics. And so you get a little bit of both where uh, I feel like I have one foot in the tech industry and one foot into uh, uh, manufacturing. And so so you get a little bit of both worlds. And, and I, I enjoy that because I like working with people. I like working with processes and see the equipment running. Uh, but I also like cutting edge technology. It's cool to see that applied as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you brought up a really good point around, you know, this idea of like, being in a physical environment, being able to touch something, see something, smell something, like you can actually like see what you're making versus, you know, bits moving on a, on a, you know, TV screen or a monitor. Mm -hmm. On the flip side to that, you know, there's kind of like this growing trend, you know, uh, over, over the last, uh, shoot, it's been two and a half years where like COVID kind of showed the world that like remote work is not only possible but you know oftentimes very attractive to employees you know you mentioned you love this like physical work environment and I I personally do too there's there's a study that came out you know it's a 2021 survey from a company called Buffer where they said 94% of folks who started working remotely as a result of the pandemic said that they would like to work remotely at least some of the time for the rest of their career. How do you reconcile this like difference, this growing difference of like being able to work remote and also the requirement to be on the shop floor for you know people in our industry? Yeah, so I think you got to get at the heart of what remote means. When I think a lot of people say remote, uh, what they're really looking for is flexibility. And uh, certainly there's some people that are looking for those jobs that are totally remote and they will keep you home. And, and there's a certain aspect of that. And that's going to be something that our industry is always going to have to um, uh, deal with. But I, I, from my experience, a lot of people are looking for something that that, that gives them flexibilities in their lives where they can still go home um, they, if they need to take some time off to, to take care of their kids or, you know, run to a doctor's appointment or whatever, whatever they need to get done in their lives. That's the flexibility I've, I've seen the most. And so for, for our industry specifically, I, I think that's what we need to move towards is, is how do we get flexibility? And, um, you know, like you said, we're, we're a very physical industry. There's, there's a certain level of a maintenance technician can't remotely fix a piece of equipment, right? That can't happen. Not yet. <laughs> um, not yet. <laughs> We're not there yet. But but we are moving towards, and especially if we really want to get into maintenance reliability, I mean, you think of that word reliable, reliability, is that our equipment's running as expected. 
And so that flexibility can come from that. And I've already seen that with some of our, our clients, uh, whether that's a, a manufacturing company or oil and gas or, or whatever industry you're talking about, is that if you start to have a more consistent schedule, you can offer opportunities where people can step away to go get the things that they need done. And, and, and a lot of the office jobs in manufacturing are remote and, and to some extent anyway already. So um, there's, there's a little give and take there. It's, I think manufacturing, much like many other industries, is also moving towards that model. It's just we're always going to have that physical aspect of the industry, right? So maybe on that topic, yeah, you work with you know several companies at a, at a given time. What have you seen the best companies do to retain their team and their employees? Well, I, I think uh, companies are just investing in their employees, and so uh, first and foremost, they're not hanging the the schedule or their jobs over their heads, saying, "Hey, you have to be here." full-time, maybe even overtime um, to get things done. The best companies I've seen, they say, hey, look, if you need to take some time away, we'll make it work. And that's the best planning and scheduling programs out there is they're capable of doing that. They they can plan ahead and they have the resources and they also know what their other resources are doing. So if in, in the case of an emergency, um, you know, someone has to leave because a family member is in the hospital or whatever, uh, they say, OK, well, we know we have all these other resources and what they're scheduled on. Where can we shift that? And so uh, what these companies are doing is they're investing in the time and they're respecting the, the time that that their employees have. And and they're saying, hey, we're, we, we can make this work. We know our schedule. And we also have the proper people, the proper places, the proper processes in, 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 uh, in order to, to make this happen. Yeah. I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here, Luke. You know, I think that like in a, in a technology world, it's like, it, it, it's very, very easy, right? Like, oh, hey, I got a doctor's appointment. Like, oh, I got to, you know, pick up my kid from school. Like these things happen and I fully understand it. And it's like, don't worry, I can do my work later at night, like doesn't really impact anyone. But when we're working in this physical environment, oftentimes, you know, these shifts are 24 seven, you know, these Mm -hmm. plants are running 24 seven, and you get like, one downtime event per month. That's it. That's all you get. So it I mean, oftentimes, it's just you know, not a feasible option to be like, all right, no problem. Like, you know, no problem. You got, you got to pick up your kid. Like, you know, in these physical environments, we have like set schedules. There's less flexibility because they're physical plants running. Do you run into that challenge as well with your clients? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I mean, hey, there's always going to be a certain element that, that you're right. I mean, it, if you're in the middle of a job, like you can't possibly step away. I mean, there you can't compare our business to, say, a software company where you're you're you have everything on on uh, the cloud. Right. And so at any given moment, you could be on one side of the world or one side of the country and still do your job. Right. So you're not going to be able to go out there with a wrench and do that remotely, like you said, not yet, at least. So there's an aspect of that, that that's always going to be there. And the, the way I've always looked at it, if you're just talking about from a resource standpoint, is that companies will go out and hire, say, a technician and, and, and give them the best resources to do what they need to do as far as scheduling and, and 
take as much advantage as they have. And so when you start to offer those resources, most of the, most of the people that are in the role of, a, say, a technician, they want that aspect of being able to work on a piece of equipment. You're, you're looking to, to dry, get that inner passion of doing that, right? Going out there and, and working on a piece of equipment. What you need to do is then allow them to have that work-life balance as much as possible while understanding that at times, if there is, if there is, let's say, a, a down piece of equipment, then you got to go out there and fix it. So with our industry, that's going to be part of it. Part of it is your job is going to be out there t- turning wrenches for, for downtime. Like you said, maybe it's once a month, but companies can do everything they can to give those resources and allow the times, let's say you do have that free time that you can have someone schedule and have time away. Maybe, maybe if you have more available time, you can have more vacation and so on. So you, you kind of expand out and it grows. And obviously some companies just aren't there yet and they have some really bad hours and it's, and you start somewhere. Right. And that, and that's, that's where, that's where it's, it's, it's tough because you can't start from day one with that. You have to build that up and those companies need to invest now to be the attractive companies in 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think what I hear you saying, Luke, and I totally agree with this is like pre-pandemic, it was everyone in the office 100% of the time. Post-pandemic, it became, you know, the office workers can work remotely, have more flexible schedule. But I think what's happening, you know, to this day even is that, you know, the shop floor workers are still beholden to the pre-pandemic, you know, requirements of being in, in office, but then I feel like there's also this a little bit of animosity because it's like, oh, well, why do the, you know, let's call it the office workers have so much flexibility, but there's so much rigidity in, in our line of business and our role. It makes sense. But what I hear you saying is like, we, all, we almost have to like lean the other way for the folks working on the shop floor, offer more flexibility to them. Um, given kind of like the rigidity of the the nature of their role. And to your point about the office workers where they have more flexibility, that makes it all the more essential that they're investing into their field workers as well. So if you're an engineer who has uh, the ability to be remote, well, make sure that you're giving all the resources you can to the field. Because one thing that we see often in, in a manufacturing or or oil and gas or whatever industry you want to want to uh, put that out to is that there is a large divide and gap between the office workers and those on the field. And so the investment is is the part that's that's incredibly important is that we are giving all the resources we can. And so that person sitting in that office that has a little more flexibility uh, they need to be able to be offering those services to free up the time for the technician. So, for example, administrative time. If if you're rolling out a software solution, which is oftentimes done by those sitting in an office, and it does not line up with the work that's being done on the field, you're piling more time onto a technician's yeah. schedule to work with that admin time. And so now they have to do their work of going out there and turning wrenches and then also deal with a poor mobility rollout, CMMS rollout, whatever you want to want to call it or whatever issue it is. And they're spending more time on, on work that's not turning wrenches. And so yeah. when we talk about maximizing a schedule, that's the way I look at it. Those that have that more, more flexible schedule that's sitting in office, 
they need to be investing as much as possible to make the field workers schedule as flexible as possible as well. Yeah. Yeah. And again, makes, makes complete sense. Um, really appreciate you sharing all, all of those insights, Luke. Something that I feel like is holding us back from recruiting more people into this industry. It's just like the general lack of awareness about what maintenance and reliability really does. You know, I think you're kind of lucky you kind of grew up, yeah. you know, your dad worked in the space, but I have a feeling that a lot of people don't really know what reliability is, don't really know what the role of a maintenance technician is and can do and what a fulfilling potential career could, can be. So maybe the question is like, yeah, how do we sh better share stories maintenance, reliability operations? How do we get more people excited about the industry? How do we showcase like what we really do um, within the broader world um, to, to make an impact? Yeah, I, I think there's a few ways you can go about doing that. And I, first and foremost is getting out in front of the younger generations before they've already kind of made their career decisions. And, and uh you know, something that always stood out to me that I thought my university did really well was they had a big job fair that all the students could attend. And it brought in a lot of different companies and a lot of manufacturers came in and, and they brought people in and and showed they asked you what your degree was and they showed you where whether they had internship or, or hiring uh, opportunities. And I, I really encourage manufacturers every time I see them to do that, to do exactly that, because one thing that I remember going to school is we did not talk about maintenance reliability very often. And, and I was in the degree that should have been, right? We, I was yeah. in the industrial realm and it was there. We, we briefly touched on FMEAs and CMMS and meantime between failure. It was there, but it was a very small part. It was just, hey, here's, here's some, some math equations that go with this. And by the way, just know this exists and then we'll move on. <laughs> and so, so I, I think companies, if they want to really invest in the, the next generation and find the, the, the youth that wants to be a part of it, that's a good opportunity is find those job fairs in your area and be involved and, and, and try to try to catch them before, before they, they miss out on a career. Because my experience is, I, I don't think it's a lack of interest. I think there's a lot of people that would be interested in working for a Ford Motor Company, a John Deere, you know, whatever manufacturing company, because I think there's a lot of really cool careers. I mean, you and I have both found our own spot in this career and really enjoy it. And I, I think you and I are about around the same age. And we're in that millennial generation that everyone asks, hey, how do we hire more millennials? And, and I don't think it's it's based on how cool the job is or the industry or anything like that. It's just a lot of people don't know it exists. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's why I bring up the job fairs or, or any opportunity to really just speak with the younger generation because a lot of them just don't know it exists. So that that's one way to go about it. Also, I, I think, uh, especially when this comes to the service side and, and honestly, it, kudos to you guys because Upkeep's kind of a fun follow for that uh, in general, but but we've got to be better at, at marketing as as an industry as well. And and you know, for example, I was at a conference a few weeks back, and Boston Dynamics is very involved in that conference, and 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 it was all about what they can do with their robots. And Boston Dynamics is a cool company, and part of the reason they're cool is everyone's seen their YouTube videos that they've been posting for ten years now, right? Picking <laughs> the robot, and that's fun. And and but that's happening in our industry as well. And and so I think we need to do a better job just as an industry showing that 
that's part of our industry too. It's not just what you thought of manufacturing 50 years ago where we're out there and just slinging wrenches and, and taking product out the back door. Uh, there's cutting edge technology. There's, there's new processes and, and we could be a part of, of the next generation that's, that, that's uh, doing those things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree. One thing that really opened my eyes up to the industry is plant tour. Like mm-hmm. I remember going on one of my first plant tours and it was like one of the most eye-opening experiences for, for me. I think people are very enamored by technology and software. It's very easy to like, you know, look behind a code base and, you know, look at a website, but it takes a lot more effort to like go out on site, do a plant tour. But when people do these plant tours, it's pretty wild. Like, yeah, it kind of reminds me of that show, you know, how it's made. It's uh, yeah. A yeah. virtual version of a plant tour and some of the coolest most cutting edge technology happens on manufacturing floors and and i think to your point it's just not marketed very well i think yeah. how it's made show is you know a yeah. great start there <laughs> yeah absolutely i agree and you know and one thing i think is changing too that that companies should take advantage of uh you know again going back to you and i's generation when we were coming around the tech boom was big so google was the cool place to work. And I think a lot of that is starting to mature. Um, a lot of these big tech companies are, I, let's, let's just say they're, what's the difference of working for Ford and Google at this point, right? The, the, the shine has kind of come off a little bit. And I think it's an opportunity to say, hey, you know, the, the manufacturing industrial space is utilizing all the same technologies as everyone else's. In fact, we're companies like Amazon and Google are investing in, into these companies. So, you know, I, I think there's a good opportunity here where, um, you know, manufacturing can jump in as kind of the next swing of the cool job for, for the next generation because they're getting into some of that technology that, that we, we wanted to see 10, 10, 15 years ago. Absolutely. All right. So a lot has changed, I feel like, in our, in our industry over the last, you know, three years, especially five years. Um, we're starting to see, you know, more opportunities of remote work. I kind of want to ask you, like, what do you see as the, the future of work in our industry, given all these changes the last couple of years? Well, it's, uh, it's certainly, I mean, we've touched on it a few times in this and I'm technology's right there and it's knocking on the door. Now, the reality is a lot of our clients are just getting there. Uh, you as a CMMS company are definitely probably seeing that because I'm sure you have first time CMMS users still. And that that's a long ways away from having robots walk around your industry. But, but that is the direction that we're going is, is we're expanding. And, and the cool thing about our industry is we've always utilized what technology is in front of us. And, you know, whether that is you go back 100 years and it was the assembly line or putting robotics in for, for, for assembly itself. Um, and, and now we're talking about automated robots going around doing meter readings that's that's the the ongoing movement and 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 it's part of the one foot in the physical world and one foot in the the technological world is we have people that are amazingly mechanically minded in this industry that could look at a robot and say wow you know what we could do with that and we have we have a, a lot of amazing minds that that you may not run into otherwise because they're working in the physical world of building things 
And so anyway, not going to try to get too long winded here, but, uh, but I, you know, I think this industry, what we're moving towards is, is as work is that we're going to start utilizing this stuff. We've got a really mature technological atmosphere here. We're starting to have things on web services. Companies have now used CMSs. I mean, some for three decades now. And so we're getting mature in that sense. And so we're really starting to push the edge. And, and that's where I think that companies where we start to see the change in work is that, that we're actually going to start utilizing that. And that's when we talk about hiring new, new employees, that's, that's what I see as work is just utilizing those new technologies and, and starting to advance what manufacturing looks like. All right. I'm excited about the future. <laughs> uh, really appreciate you sharing all of these insights. You know, the way that we always end this podcast is, with a quick fire set of questions where we leave our audience with a few extra golden nuggets of information. So I'll ask you a question, get your, get your thoughts in 20 seconds or less. You ready to jump in? Let's do it. All right. If you could um, go back and give your 18 year old self one piece of advice, what would that be? It's kind of cliche, but I would say just enjoy every moment of it. I think when you're 18, you think that you're going to have everything planned out in the next two to four years but the reality is things go a little slower than expected. So just, just enjoy each step. All right. What about a time you failed? What did you learn from that experience? One time I got my, I got in over my head for a project and I didn't communicate ahead of time. And I learned very quickly that if you communicate ahead of time, the pain's a lot, a lot easier. And, and ever since then, that was early in my career. Ever since then, I've learned to communicate ahead of time and haven't run into that same problem since. Yeah, yeah. Over-communicate. Over-communication. Yeah. Yep. solves a lot of problems. Um, if you could share one thing about maintenance, reliability, asset operations with people who are less familiar with the industry, what would that be? Well, I, you know, if, if I got to say it in 20 seconds, I would say... This is an opportunity to improve manufacturing from the inside. I love it. Last one. What's the biggest takeaway that you hope all of our listeners will learn from today's discussion? Well, just that I, this is a growing industry uh, that's been around for a long time. So there's a mixture of history and, and a lot of cool new things happening. So I hope that people see it. And, and if you're already in the industry, that, that you're not in your head and you're like, yeah, this, this, I'm excited about this. And, and if you're new to it, that, that uh, you're excited for some of the new stuff and maybe you want to get involved. But um, it's, it's a really cool industry, and, and I've, I've enjoyed my time, time in it. Good stuff. Thank you so much, Luke. Really appreciate it. Um, lastly, can you share with all of our listeners the different ways that they can connect with you and follow you on your journey? Sure. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Luke Clark, Allied Reliability. And then if you want to shoot me an email, uh, ClarkL at AlliedReliability.com. So you can type out that whole thing if you'd like. Uh, but feel free to reach out and uh, and shoot me uh, an email. I'd be happy to chat or, um, or jump on a call or if anyone wants to reach out. Awesome. Thank you again, Luke, for joining us. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in today's episode of the Maintenance Mavericks podcast. Again, my name is Ryan. I'm the CEO and founder of Upkeep. You can also connect with me. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn or shoot me an email at ryan at upkeep.com. I hope everyone enjoyed today's discussion and uh, I look forward to the next one. So until next time, thanks again, Luke. Have a great rest of your day. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan.